This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Cazaza. By myself today, Chris Anderson is, well, actually, I have no idea where he is. He might be in Newark. He might be somewhere over the Atlantic. He might actually be in Europe and perhaps Italy right now. The past 10 days, too much for him. Had to get away, went to Italy. Actually, truth be told, the past 10 years, too much for Mrs. Anderson. The reward, though, is a trip to Italy. Happy anniversary to them in all seriousness. Hope they enjoy their trip. And hope that when they come back, they're actually able to transition smoothly and look back and remember fondly their time on vacation. Maybe look at some pictures, put a slideshow together, set it to music, and not, oh, I don't know. Get snapped back into reality with reminders about what it's like to be, I don't know, a fan, a a media person, coach, player, an administrator under the college basketball umbrella in 2023. Heck, under the college sports umbrella in 2023. WV Hoops has taken you on quite a ride since this past Friday. Not even the past Friday, the Friday before the past. Trying to figure out how to phrase that. Forgive me. My brain, somewhat mushy. This will happen when this happens at WVU. And you think I would be used to this by now. Truth be told, I'm not. This is a chapter unlike a lot of the others in, uh, I guess you could say, in the book that could be written and maybe once was written about WVU Sports. We're going to go with a Q&A episode here because there are so many Qs that do not yet have an A. Spend a ton of time online, but spend a ton of time on the phones, on text messages, on DMs, actually face-to-face conversations, just trying to get to the bottom of what was going on and what actually had happened to the Mountaineers, for the Mountaineers, with the Mountaineers in the past, like I said, week plus, but also month plus. You think about it, this incident here has its roots in early May. I think we got to the bottom of a lot of it, tried to share as much as we could online, and along the way attracted a whole bunch of people to the website now. Historic audiences for us, not to brag, but I want to say welcome in. Thank you for patronizing us in the best way possible. When you say patronize, sometimes that seems negative, but hey, you're patrons now. So thanks. If you're not familiar, here's what we do frequently and oftentimes during the football season. We'll open up a mailbag here. People get to submit some questions. Chris and I throw out some answers, but again, no Chris, just me. I'll do my best here. We're going to go just basketball here. There are some football questions. Football will have its time. A lot of football content coming, I promise. But now basketball. And the ones that I do not get to in the time we have here, I'll try to step back and answer in written form. And to be honest with you, some of that might actually be a better idea because we get Rem Baker and new 
interim coach Josh Eiler. By the way, did you hear that he was the interim coach? Did you see that he was the interim coach? Pretty sure Chris could see that font from somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. Anyhow, we'll get answers from the athletic director. We'll get answers from the new coach. But we'll get to the questions from you and the answers from me right now. Thank you for submitting these. Thank you for upvoting them. So I've figured out which ones were the most popular. And we're going to break this down into a couple different categories here. We're going to talk about the players. We're going to talk about Bob Huggins. We're going to talk about John Beeline. And we're going to talk about kind of like an et cetera, but basically with regard to the future of the coaching position and, and how they get to a conclusion and what it's going to look like. But let's start with the players here. Question from Willie G, 2013. Over under 1.5 returning among Kirk Creesa, Joe Toussaint, Trey Mitchell. I'm going to go over, and that would have been before Kirk Creesa came back. Here's what I can tell you. Uh, Creesa and Mitchell had conversations with West Virginia's NIL apparatus not long after entering the portal. They, they'd like to be here. If they could, why wouldn't they? And Toussaint going to go on some visits to Big 12 teams in particular. That's important because, as I mentioned earlier in the week, West Virginia was getting interest from the outside and that included within the Big 12. People understand the Big 12 is a big lure. If you don't want to leave the Big 12, you still want to prove yourself in this conference on TV all the time against future pros. Well, heck, there's a home for you somewhere else in the Big 12, and that's why you see Joe Tucson doing that. Tucson opening the idea of coming back. Mitchell, maybe not so, but again, they have had conversations with him, with the NIL people. That worked out for Creasa. He came back. I'm going to say either Tucson or Mitchell does return. Trouble is, question is, the unknown is, is everybody else still on board? We'll see. They agreed to see this to the weekend when they met with athletic director Rem Baker uh, Thursday, I think. Probably Thursday. They said, hey, we'll stay. Now, granted, two people went into the portal. They did not follow through and see if that eventual pick for the head coach interim would satisfy them. It did. It's supposed to. Josh Eiler was the person they wanted to fit the profile. And one person who went in the portal came back. Will another? We'll see. But will more people go in the portal now? And then again, just how much of it isn't Josh Eiler? How much of it is just NIL in 2023? I'm going to say over, though, and, and you're halfway there with Creesa. C. Hush asks, is Paul Mulcahy he's still an actual target? Will he still consider us after the coaching search? He was never not a target. He Here's what happened. I mean, he, West Virginia went to bed Friday night the night of the Huggins incident, hoping, thinking that Mulcahy would list his finalists and that West Virginia was going to be in there. And then we rattled off the teams that we had heard would be on that list. And then we just kind of lost sight of this because of, you know, the obvious. We didn't notice that the list came out. And then, like, there was a hole. And maybe not a hole, but there were a surprise team or two on the list. And a lot of people thought, hey, you know what? In a more normal situation, West Virginia would be on that list. Well, Hadn't signed anywhere yet. Hadn't made up his mind. And if you followed West Virginia football or any of this NIL transactional business in college sports, really until that person signs the, well, I guess they call it the grand name, but until they sign with a new school, it's not over. And you see people getting flipped a lot because it's not over. So Mulcahy saga, if you will, is not over. West Virginia never lost contact with it. Now, granted, a lot of other things were going on. Maybe that wasn't a priority, but that can become the priority right now. And if Tucson isn't here, if he's not coming back, if West Virginia is going to lose Trey Mitchell, whatever. There are some combinations out there that make you say, hey, we not only have a scholarship now, that's a big deal. Forget, Don't forget, they were 13 for 13 on scholarships. They didn't have one to give. Not only do they have a scholarship now, but you may have a starting spot. 
you may have a lump of minutes. You might have an opening for him in addition to the scholarship. I don't think that's over. Wouldn't be surprised if there's traction, but also wouldn't be surprised if it's too late in the game for them to get back into this and conquer all the other people here. Uh, if Trey leaves, who plays the four? That's Steelers and Ears. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Right now, have you seen Muhammad Wagi shooting threes? James O'Connor kind of projects as more of a four. Are those guys ready for starter role minutes? I don't know. If you look at the roster, is there an obvious answer? Would you go Josiah Harris at the four? You're really playing small ball at that point. Um, that's probably something that they would seek to shore up with the transfer portal. And the Mountaineers were doing this. Olivier, um, Olivier in the forward from Tennessee. By the way, I think he's still unsigned, right? Committed to Michigan. Has he signed anything? Hmm. Kind of what I'm talking about. It's not over till it's over. But expect West Virginia, even if Mitchell comes back, Tucson comes back, Carissa already back. If they have 13, remember, they were intent on going to 15 before. I don't know why that would change now. Trouble is, it's it's harder to lure people in here without Bob Huggins. But if you had the full roster and the roster can act as ambassadors to get people to come, that'll help out a whole lot. And these players do have connections. There's no doubt about that. They can make it work. Um, I would say right now that the best answer to this question how about this? The ideal answer for West Virginia is that as Mitchell leaves, who plays the four, that person is not yet on the roster. Does that make sense? I think they would go out and they would try really, really hard to find somebody. And if it is somebody on the roster, boy, I mean, do they go like three guards and just try to be as big as they can without being like a Pat Sumnick starting? I don't know if they could start Wagi or Okonkwo at the four. My guess among those options, maybe Sumnick, maybe Okonkwo. I just think Wagi is probably too much of a five and maybe the better backup five option behind Jesse Edwards. But um, it's a good question that they're going to have to answer. And my assumption would be they would try to go outside to answer it. How about some John Beeline questions here um, from Nice Feet 69 Will we be contacting John Beeline in the next coaching search? Here's the appeal for this situation for West Virginia and for John Beeline. Um, been on the sideline since 2020 when his run with the Cavaliers did not work out so well. Has not coached college basketball since falling in the Sweet 16, I believe, with Michigan in 2019. And that was a year after a loaded roster. Six pros played Villanova for the national championship. Kind of went out on an up note. Um, had a role in there. He had been there for a long, long time. And the the factory was operating optimally. He was able to recruit. And kind of plug and play. That machine is not running the same way here. But you could get his ear by saying, hey, let's work on a one-year contract. Ten months is what I heard. Pay you a lot of money. Like somewhere between three and four million. So I'm going to say three and a half. Just to come in and coach for a year. And if it works, do it again. If not, hey, cool give it a shot, and at least pursue the ending that his career deserves. But also do this in a place you know with preferred terms, length, money, with a loaded roster, really, really good roster here that he can come in and work with. Put your hands on it. Put Move the pieces around. Figure out the way that you want to play with the pieces that are on the board and do it. It's extremely inviting for someone like Beeline, a tactician, a coach, a motivator, all that stuff. Fast forward a year, West Virginia goes, I don't know, 19 and 12 in the regular season, 
one and one in the Big 12, one and one in the NCAA. Not good enough. Thank you, Josh Eilert. We're going to call John Beeline. But who on this roster is back? Kirk Creasa, who kind of said that he wasn't interested in that, if not in words and in deeds. Um, it's pretty thin, right? It's it's a tough situation to see players talking themselves into coming back with a coaching change. So how would the head coach feel? I just think this is an ideal set of circumstances, kind of a, a of a closing window in a bunch of different senses, and it's not going to open up like that again. I'd be very surprised um, if he's not contacted just because I just don't see a candidacy there too. Question two, who gets the blame for JB not coming here? The players are Huggins. That's a question from Hugs Rules. Listen, it's never one thing. I wish I could tell you like concrete things about the role that Bob Huggins did or didn't play, but the whispers are out there about certain mm, alleged actions. Players, I think, were less subtle about it. Don't know why. I mean, at least get in the room with Belon. Listen, before you grab the steering wheel. But here are the facts. They they went to Rem Baker's office, just kind of stormed the castle and had a meeting with him. And then Baker met with him later on. Now, granted, there were conversations perhaps not fulfilling enough, often enough during the week, told that like they, dif- they had different people from the basketball or the athletic department talk to the players and say as much as they can at that time. But it was pretty clear that like, they weren't getting a lot of information. And I think when some of the John Beeline stuff got out, came out, it wasn't so much that it was, oh my gosh, John Beeline. It was, wait, it's not going to be one of the people that we want. So I think the players do have some responsibility there too. Just the, the fact is though, that it I mean, here's, here's the truth. They went and they visited Beeline Wednesday in Michigan. I mean, went out of their way to be covert about it. Chris would have a great story to tell you if he was here about how he found this, by the way. Chris, very smart when it comes to these things too, but was able to track it down and and nailed it. Like he found out when they traveled and that they were up there with Beeline and bang, how do you think we got our hands on that information, right? So they're there Wednesday. And then by the time they talk again Thursday, it's just not looking great because the job isn't the same anymore. Players are bailing. There's something askew, toxic, uninviting, whatever phrase, whatever adjective you want to use. It's not the same job. And then I really, I truly believe this. I'm like 99.99% sure, but only because people haven't said, you know what? You're actually 100% right. But they talked to him like Saturday. Probably just to say, hey, are you sure? Are you positive? But both sides understood it wasn't the same job. And that's, that's Beeline understanding that. And that's West Virginia understanding that. It wasn't the same job with the roster likely to look extremely different than what was offered initially. So that maybe that answers your question right there. So Bob Huggins questions. Cobb 0012 asks, does Bob Huggins take a vacation with his family to Italy sometime this August? Oh, I don't I don't get it. Like the basketball team is going to be there in August. Why would he go there? That doesn't that doesn't make sense. You'll have to fill in the blanks for me there. Like, why would Bob Huggins be in Italy at the same time the basketball team is? Like, you think he'd want to be away from this, right? I don't get it. That just doesn't make sense. Why would that happen? Next question. <laughs> Salty dog. All right. Now, this, this is a weighty one here, so let's be careful, but let's ask the full question. In your opinion, did Hugs intentionally interfere in the hiring process? 
Did he possibly encourage portal entries to accomplish that goal? If you're not prepared to say if it was intentional, can you at least say if he did unintentionally with the influence coming off from his loyal big money supporters? Okay. Listen, don't want to get sued. Um, I've been through the the warning courses before. By the way, if you think you're going to get sued and you're out like in the grocery store, like checking out the produce and someone says, hey, and they mention you by your name, don't respond. Because then you've identified yourself and you can be served. So anyways, I don't want to get sued. I Again, I don't have anything tangible and concrete that says that Bob Huggins went to his players and said, you should go to the portal if they do not hire. And here's the thing. Hire who? Was it Andy Kennedy? Was it Ron Everhart? Was it Jared Calhoun? Don't know. But I do not know that. I don't know that he called donors and said, you can't let them hire John Beeline. Here's what I do know. The players wanted to play for someone that was ultimately used in the press release, right? They were going to get their way in this. That's what I mean. Like they wanted to get their pick into the chair. And that's kind of what the system has created. NIL, it's empowered people. It's made them act entitled and they're going to act on that. And the worst part is, this is all new. We haven't even raised a generation of student athletes to think that's the expectation and the reality. Right now, you have people who are kind of bold to think they can do it. What do you think? What do you think happens when that is the expectation? When that's what they have come up watching? What do you think happens when there are years and years and years of this as the precedence for people who are in like elementary school and middle school now and see this as the way to do things? And again, this is just happening in isolated spots. But when this spreads and when it becomes more prevalent across conferences and then sports and then all of college sports. What are we looking at 10 years from now, right? Trying to think about that. Hopefully I'm retired on a beach somewhere, but I won't be old enough. Maybe I'll be just through it. Don't want to do it anymore. I'm not even a fan. Imagine if I was a fan. I imagine you all are probably pretty fed up with this too, just by the specter of the future. Anyways, do I have proof? No. But look at the situation and how this played out. I think you could probably say the players were more transparent in their wishes and their actions. Um, I think a lot of the things that concern people about the alleged involvement of Huggins was that it, it could have been different and could have said, hey, can you not do this, guys? Hey, can you let them run the search the way they want? Um, can you not petition for my return on Facebook? Can you not call around and see if there's a way for me to get the job back? Stuff like that, I think, could have gone um, a good distance toward helping this process move along smoother and quicker and with fewer obstructions. I don't think that's bold to say. I don't think I get sued for that. But step back for a second. Would you be surprised if, to learn that Bob Huggins was trying to get his job back? Would you be disappointed? But this is his job that he's had for 16 years and then he wanted for a long, long, long time. Don't forget, like, when he moved to Manhattan, Kansas, he's told this story before, too. He thought that was it. Happy there. But then all of a sudden, John Beeline leaves. He's got a really good thing going to Kansas State, a place he felt comfortable, a place that wanted him, wanted to bring him back and have him there. But he knew that the West Virginia job probably wouldn't be open again in, in a time where he could take it. So he took it after one year at Kansas State. He really wanted to be here. I think we all understand that. Um, but then it's gone faster than he expected and so close to, like, the ending that he avoided just a month earlier. I just think that it was probably arresting to him and, and just 
shocking. And then what do you do? How do you, there's no playbook for that. I doubt you have all your capacities to function in the, the most grounded, respectful, sane manner, you know? And again, if he's calling around saying, Hey, is there a way I can get my job back? Can we do this? Can I, can I prescribe myself this list of fixes and come back in, I don't know, three months, one season. I, I don't know that, that wouldn't be a surprise to a lot of people. And you have to have that phone call with that guy because he's that guy. Now, what that does, and it makes a couple of trips to the grapevine, that's when it can come out the other side and and seem like a really like reckless, dangerous, threatening, menacing series of actions where maybe it's not. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Question from Cart 304 You get 30 minutes one-on-one with Bob Huggins and Josh Eiler separately. What are the top questions you're going to ask each one? Hmm. Well, I think I'd like to know what happened to Huggs that day in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, that's just weird things. Like, like, like what, what was going on? Who was he with and why? But also, like, I'm not even, like, joking around, but, like, was he was he going to, like, the Taylor Swift concert? Um having him up in that part of Pittsburgh on that part of the day. And I'm, I'm not joking there. Like, I just, I just wonder, I'm not saying like, Oh my gosh, you went to a Taylor Swift concert. I know a lot of people want to point and laugh at that. I don't want to know like what his Burger King order was. I just want to know like what, what happened that day and why didn't, um, why didn't the day end differently? But also like what happened in between May 8th and that day too? Like, was he, was he different? Was he acting different? Did he, did he see the writing on the wall and just missed it? Did he not see the writing on the wall? Just feel like the last six weeks for him are are defining time, unfortunately, for a lot of stuff that could have gone differently. It's not just one day and one incident for sure. I think ultimately it boils down to that. But just think about the past six weeks for him, what that must have been like. And then I'd also like to know what his future plans are. Does he want to be part of this program in some capacity? Remember, they're, they're like, they're going to name the court after him and build a trophy and all that stuff. Excuse me, build a statue, all that stuff. And he's no longer that guy. Well, he's still that guy, but maybe he's not acting like it. And again, I just think that when you have a series of events like he's had, again, the past six weeks now, you're 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 just going to get grinded down in different ways, and you might look and act differently. And is that him? I think a lot of people would say, no, I knew someone totally different for a long, long time. Like The action surprised me. I don't know him, know him, but I've been around him for a long time, and I'm just kind of surprised by some of the stuff that um, – I'm told and I hear from people again. I don't, I don't know, but I'm told and I hear from people. So I wonder what his future is. So, you know, what was the past six weeks like, but also what does he plan for the future? Is he going to continue to participate in some of the, 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 the punitive actions from his first incident on the radio in Cincinnati, 
you know, where he's going to meet with the campus groups and the marginalized communities and all that. Is he going to give the money to Xavier? And I understand some of that stuff is underway, has already happened. So good on him. Will he continue to do it? I think if he does, that's great. And that would convince the university that, you know what? I forgot. I really like that guy. He really does have a big heart. He really is a pretty decent guy. Imperfect, sure. Who isn't? But you can see all the good stuff in him, and that would be on display. You know, and then also, would he just stay out of the way of basketball? Would he be involved in basketball? I'm not saying he has to be one or the other, but I wonder what he would do in in the time that he's away because he's not been away from basketball for a long, long time. Does he go to the condo in Florida? Does he go to the cabin in the woods out in Ohio? Does he fish? Does he vacation? Does he get in the Winnebago and go from coast to coast? I don't know. I'd like to know because that's a guy who's really never had to think about not having basketball. And here it is. Josh Eilert, don't know. Different. Um, I think the question for him, obviously, are just kind of about the job. But here's a question for you. Who is Josh Eilert? Do you have an answer? I mean, we know like his resume. Um, the guy knows he's a really good basketball player at one point. But I know he's at like a community college in Kansas and then Kansas State. Played a little bit was with Huggins' predecessor one year as a GA and then Huggins, and he's been with Huggins ever since. But I don't know a whole lot about him. Married, three kids, really good dude. Um, I wish I could tell the story about the uh, video booth in Cincinnati because that's the one time that I actually saw like a little bit of fire from him, and I was like, whoa, this guy's wild. But I like him a lot. I just don't know a whole lot about him. So I think I just like to do the getting to know you stuff because I think a lot of people would like to know who their new interim coach is, right? There's a human interest story here about a guy who, again – Junior college, GA, survived a coaching change, been with Huggins for a long, long time, 14 years just in the office and never like left for another job at another school in the office or, you know, a guy like that could have like dropped down to like, I don't know, group of five or division two or NAI and been an assistant coach, maybe went to high school as a head coach and never did. was happy doing what he did. And then all of a sudden, bang, he's up as an assistant coach. And now two years later, he's the head coach for a big 12 team. So who is Josh Eilert? I would ask those questions to get that answer. Uh, next question. Kuzapalooza. Is it going to be impossible to rid the program of Huggins' influence? Unless this team does something extraordinary, do you think our permanent hire ends up being someone totally new? I don't want them to rid the program of Huggins' influence, but I want it to be the right influence, and I think everybody would say the same. Like, here's a guy who's just a great ambassador. And again, just to like seven weeks ago, seven weeks ago, like they were going to have him out front, like the cancer center. Um, he, he's going to have an emeritus position. He's a great fundraiser. Bob Huggins. But something changed. So again, do you want to be rid of his influence? It depends on the influence. And, and until we see like, like significant proof and consequences of negative actions, that's, I think it's really hard to lean into that. Now, again, does that stuff exist? Maybe. Got to get rid of that. And you got to bring him back in. I just think it's it's silly to think that this program shouldn't or wouldn't have him involved in the right way in the future. Um, and the second part of this question, unless the team does something extraordinary, do you think the permanent hire, hire ends up being someone totally new? I do. Outside the tree, everything. That was what they were trying to do this year. I don't know why they wouldn't do it before. And again, Rem Baker couldn't have been more clear. Um, they were going to go outside before if they could. Realize they couldn't. But the press conference this time says they're going to get back to their coaching search in the offseason. Finally, some questions about success here. And these are interesting to me. I'm going to lump these two together because they kind of overlap one another, but forgive me. 
WVU Mountie G 2001, given all that's happened, what defines a successful 23-24 basketball season at this point? On top of that, what would Josh Ireland have to accomplish to have the interim tag removed? Okay, so what defines success this coming season? And what does Ireland have to do to no longer be interim? By the way, all caps in the question on interim. Um, and then the second question here from WVU G 13. Um, I'm kind of editing his question here because he edited his question. He wants to ask a similar question different way. What needs to be achieved for the interim tag to be removed? But then he asks this. I would think that Ren is looking for this ex- the process of how they perform and how everything runs to go along with the results. Would that be more correct? Or is Ren going to be more of um, more of more on stuff from it at the press conference? What that means is like, is he going to look at the process and how they go into things or will he explain more in the press conference today? So here's the two questions um, combined into one. Can I botch this more than I already have? Maybe. Give me a second. But maybe I can clear it up too. One wants to know what is a successful 23-24 season, which means does Baker look at it as purely a record or procedure process? And I think that's a really interesting point because Baker is not going to paint Neil Brown into a corner by saying he has to win a bowl game. He has to be in a bowl game. He wants to know if the program is healthy moving forward. Is it in good shape? He's never going to ascribe a win total to a team. Because what if you're you're 5-0 and and you say, you know, he's got to win seven games to come back. You're 5-0 and and then your quarterback runs into your other quarterback and they both blow out their ACLs. You know, it's just something strange like that. But what if you just can't be as good, even though you were really good? What if, like, there's a significant event that prevents you? And, and all of a sudden, like, everything's great. I don't know. And then you lose your last three games on walk-off field goals, right? Well, shoot, should have won seven, only won six. But, boy, it was a weird year. That's cop-out stuff. I understand that. I'm just kind of, like, creating a scenario that probably isn't realistic. Highly doubt that Garrett Green runs into Nico Marchio and they both blow out their ACLs. But you get my point. You can't paint a number on a guy and say, you got to get here. So, does he look at just the health of the program when it comes to Josh Eitler? Huh, that's interesting, right? My answer is no. And it's not only that, it's no way. No way is he doing that. Um, I think that he is really thinking ahead to how they're going to jump on this when the season is over. And I would think that if this doesn't end like in the Elite Eight, it doesn't matter. Like if they get to the Elite Eight, cool. But then again, who's back next year? And then, sure, some stuff in between now and then that doesn't have to do with wins and losses. What's their recruiting like? You know, what does their roster look like as far as replacements? So on and so forth. How are you recruiting high school players? Seriously. Josh Hyler gets in a room with a, a four-star wing, right? Hey, we really need you. We really need you. Hey, that's cool. Are you going to be the coach? Well, you know, we got a great practice facility. We play in the Big 12. Yeah, I got that, Jay. Are you going to be the coach? Listen, we have a luxury jets. Um, we got a training table. Got a Nike contract. Love it. Great. Thank you, Josh. Are you going to be the coach? It's hard. Hard to do, man. And that's why I just think that there's no life to this experiment beyond the season. And you might say, Mike, you dummy. You've been writing around the transfer portal all off season. They don't do high school recruiting anymore. True. True. Transfer portal is the offseason. Got to have a head coach in the offseason. This doesn't quite add up to me. So, again, if they do something super special 
and you know they cut down some nets along the way, it makes it harder. It just makes the decision harder. I think the decision has already been made there. So then what is successful for Eilert? Hey, man, what if he gets a head coaching job out of this? Like, what if he does a great thing this year? And then all of a sudden, you know, a group of five schools says, hey, love your time with Hugs. He gave us a great recommendation. By the way, he's still capable of doing that. His name isn't Mud. But all of a sudden, he's the coach at some Sunbelt school or some Mac school. That'd be great for everybody involved. That's a success for him. Now, for the team, that's different, right? It seems to me this team has to be top tier in the Big 12. I would say be in the running for it just to be successful, right? That's the expectation. That's what the players have have invested in and made everybody else all around them invest in. But also, like, they're going to have to be successful in the NCAA tournament. That A success here is not a team that goes one-on-one. It's a, it's a team that is playing on that second weekend and ideally wins a game in the second weekend. Now, that's a high bar, but listen, that's the stake now. Like, that is what the players have kind of done. When when they storm the cockpit like this and say, we have a chance to be special, do what you can to keep us together, or we will not be here together, well, no, they don't want to go 0-1 in March Madness, right? They want to go far. And I think that's the expectation they've created. Another question. Actually, two questions here. And by the way, two questions, A and B <laughs> from Midbius. If you're an AD, how would you have handled the situation differently? Okay, that's question A, number one of the two-part question. I don't I don't know that you could, man. Just the situation, I don't know. I think in hindsight, you would say I would probably bring the team in a little bit more um, in a quiet corner of a loud party. I might ask if I trusted the players to keep the information quiet. But I'm not the AD. But I think I might bring them in a little bit more. And then beyond that, listen, I just don't know. Like, I don't think there's a problem talking to Roy Williams about the job, talking to Jay Wright about the job. I don't think there's a problem about making John Beeline an offer to that is completely to his liking. I, I think that's a good idea. I think that trying to do this as a one-year or short-term thing and then turning it around in a year or another year isn't a bad idea. I just think you're more likely to find a permanent hire next year, which is what they're going to do. He got there. It's just that he had to spin the wheel a couple times and some actors got involved, made that difficult. I think if we step back and, and we had like an independent investigation of this, and I don't know how you possibly do that in sports, but if you just kind of like hired a law firm to come in and look at it, you might be like, you know, they actually did a pretty good job. Some of these things are out of their control. Like I said, they didn't control the genie or the bottle here. I don't know how you put it back in. I don't know how you control what comes out of it sometimes when you're just trying to keep it together. I just think that maybe, again, you bring the players in, but I don't even have a problem with the timing. These searches can take three, four, five weeks sometimes. It took eight days. Let it go. You know, like it's it's the best they could do in the situation. And, you know, imagine playing poker like it's a five-card game, but you only get four cards. Right, you're you're just sit, set up sometimes to not have a great outcome, and in some ways, that's how this worked. Uh, second question, uh, B, of course, do you think Andy Kennedy and Sexton are pissed at WVU and would not be open to working with us in the future? Okay, so the implication here is that Jimmy Sexton, super agent, CAA, represents the who's who of client, college football clients. He is Andy Kennedy's agent. 
And hey, man, AK is a great guy. Wants to go, wants to move up from UAB. Um, let's talk. Get my guy a deal, and then when you need a football coach, I don't know this fall, next fall, two falls from now, I got you. Scratch my back, scratch yours. You're you're nuts if you think that stuff doesn't happen, or at least the conversations don't happen. I'm not saying it happened here, but that's the implication of this question by stiff arming Andy Kennedy because of his, I would say, proximity to Bob Huggins and also the incident that we are aware of in his past. Timing was not right for him now. So what if Andy Kennedy has like a super regular season, goes 25 and six, wins the conference tournament, goes to the Sweet 16? Why can't you do this again with him next year? Why can't he be the guy? Possibility, I wouldn't rule him out. And all of a sudden you're in that good situation with Sexton again. But also, do you think that Jimmy Sexton is going to have a client that he wants to get into a Power 5 football job, again, whenever, and he's going to say, you know what, those guys were mean to me in June when they were trying to fill a college basketball job. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to help them out. I don't think that's happening. Kennedy, he could be, but I think a guy who wants to get out of UAB, or I shouldn't say that, wants to get a Power 5 job in the Big 12, I think he's going to want that in the future too. And I just don't think Sexton or any agent would operate like that. Why deprive your client a chance to be a power five football coach just because your guy didn't get the situation, um, didn't get the outcome he wanted in a really unique situation where I think, honestly, you could understand West Virginia's thinking um, in these circumstances. Um, GD Full asks, how much should we take from the current list of names this time and project to next spring? Were there bigger names interested if this was April versus July. Yeah, so don't know a ton of the names here. I've heard some things. I'm not going to throw them out there because I think they're going to be names in the future. But again, the answer is we're not no as much as not right now. Like if it was April and not June, it'd be better. That's a tricky one to get around, I'm sure. I would think that some of these names that we mentioned this year could be there next year. The trouble is a lot of people are going to be in that too. Um, so if you're talking like Bob Ritchie, Dusty May, those are two just off the top of my head, Pat Kelsey. If you're doing that now, well, those guys are going to be probably good again next year. Like Furman, Bob Ritchie, FAU, Dusty May, Pat Kelsey, College of Charleston. If those teams are good again next year like they were this year. Then there's going to be a lot of people bidding for them. Someone else asked a question in the mailbag I did not get to, but do you think West Virginia is maintaining contact with them? I think it'd be smart. Like, you know how like AAU tournaments, coaches will sit like right on the baseline with like the most recognizable gear from their school. I wonder if like Rem Baker just isn't at like FAU games with like an enormous flying WV or if there isn't some like dignitary from the athletic department, just be like, you're just recruiting a coach. Can't talk to him. You wouldn't dare do that. But like, what what if like there was a, like the rainbow wig guy behind home plate, all the baseball games. What if like at every FAU game, there was like a flying WV right behind the bench. Just, just, just so they're in his head. Hey, those guys really like me. I wonder if there'd be something like that, not as nefarious, but something where they're like obviously keeping open a line of communication right there. But yeah, I think a lot of those names will be there. But the purpose also is that you expand a list of names and like who knows who emerges and what happens. Like whether there's a great Cinderella team, whether there's a bounce back coach, whether there's a surprise opening, what if Jay Wright wants to come back to coaching? You just don't know. So you can open up the scope of your search a lot more in April. Uh, finally, care to rattle off a couple of the teams or coaches to keep an eye on with their performance during the coming basketball season as we look toward a potential hire. So, yeah, I can. I can give you some names that I've heard from various people in various ways as to what to expect. Um, listen, I think Dusty May is going to be a candidate. 
That guy's got a Final Four team coming back and could not walk away after turning down offers, getting everybody to come back and make another run at it. No way he leaves. There's a not-so-secret secret that the Indiana grad wants to be the Indiana coach, and that also the FAU team in the season after the coming one probably won't be as good. So the iron is hot. He needs to go. Um, Indiana will not be open right now unless Mike Woodson just completely falls apart. But he had that team looking very, very good and continuing in the right direction. So if he wants up to the power five sooner than later, this offseason might be good. Um, listen, uh, Andy Enfeld from USC is from Shippensburg. His wife is from Oklahoma. The Pac-12 Big Ten thing is going to be really strange for some people. He can't leave that school right now because he just signed Bronny James. Bronny James is probably just playing for one year. I think that that's an interesting idea in the future there, too. There are others. I would probably include Kelsey again. I'd probably include Richie again. I think there are some people that you can look at and say that this makes some sense. Could they get it to work? That's a question. But top of my head, some other people I think you might want to look at that I've heard of. Um, Joe Pasternak, UC Santa Barbara. That's really cool. Look at his record. Um, it's going to be weird. But don't forget that he had a he had a super team, it looked like, at New Orleans. And then Katrina hit. And then it took some time for him to get back. And UC Santa Barbara has been really good. I like Nico Medvedev at Colorado State. A lot of people do. He has turned programs around in different capacities before. I think it's a guy who could have come into a strange situation and be successful. Mike Morrell, UNC Asheville. Shaka Smart guy at VCU and also Texas. So he knows a little bit about the Big 12. Asheville turned it around. They've been very good. Up and down, but it's hard to be all the way up there at that school all the time. But Darian DeVries at Drake. Creighton guy. Been around some success. The team has been good. Going to be a target. Kind of fits. And then watch Ryan Odom at VCU. A lot of people like him. New to VCU. Be a really quick turnaround for him to go. But a lot of people like him. The way he coaches... Offense, defense, remember, he led the UMBC win over UVA. He can coach, and if you give him good ingredients, he knows the recipe. It could work. And finally, just to throw it out there, I never heard this name apart from, like, one rain in the morning. Steve Forbes of Wake Forest could really coach. He's, he'd be a cultural fit. I think he might like the NIL operation up here. He's a winner, plays a really exciting brand, and then Big Doyle might be better than the ACC in basketball. Actually, is better than the ACC in basketball. Just I wonder, like guy like that, could you could you get him to say, you know, what, I'll leave a Power Five job to come here because this one's just that good. So there you have it, questions, answers. I'll get to around. I'll get around to many more here when I can. Thanks to all the new people who have joined us. Thanks to all the veterans who stuck with us. And thank goodness this one's over. Until next time, I am Mike Casaza. I will talk to you soon.